Hi, and welcome to Social Work Journeys, a podcast brought to you by the Graduate School of Social Work and Social Research at Bryn Mawr College. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am Mary Florence Sullivan, your host. Social Work Journeys was created to showcase the amazing work of our incredible community. We feature conversations with GSSWSR students, alums, faculty, and staff, where we talk about their journeys through social work and all the peaks and valleys they've traversed along the way. We hope Social Work Journeys gives you some insight into the many pathways a career in social work can present and will help answer some questions that might come up as we explore the world together. Today's episode features three of our doctoral students here at the School of Social Work, Lindsay Griffin, Syra Afsal, and Mari Falco. They discuss their journeys through the social work world and why they decided to come to the GSSWSR to complete their PhDs in social work. Hello, everyone, my wonderful friends, Syra, Lindsay, and Mari. I'm so grateful to have you all here joining us on our podcast to talk about your experiences as PhD, soon to be PhD students, soon to be PhD candidates in the next six to 12 months, uh, which is very exciting. So if you could all start, I know we heard your bios already at the beginning, but if you could all start by giving us a brief introduction with your name pronouns, and then anything you want to share, whether about your research interest, fun fact about yourself, other interests, and you can pass it from one to the other. So let's start with Mari. Um, okay. Hey, everybody. Um, my name is Mari. I um, It's my second year as a PhD student. Um, I am originally from Argentina. I moved back and forth a few times. Um, and came to Philly for grad school about 10 years ago. Um, maybe I think that's right, about 10 years ago. So I've been here since then. Um, when I'm not in school, I'm a runner, I'm a rower. Um, I've been coaching rowing for, I don't know, about more than 15 years. Um, and I also, so I'm in school part-time. Um, I also work at uh, an organization called Students Run Philly Style, which is a nonprofit organization here in Philly um, that is a running and mentorship organization for young people. And so I've been there for about three years. Um, I started there uh, to where I helped start a youth diversion program for young people who are involved in the juvenile justice system and recently transitioned um, into director of programs role there. Um, and my research interests, I think, are really aligned with the work that I do in my full-time job, which is also part of the reason that I'm part-time in school full-time at work um, because the two have really gone um, hand in hand for me, I think, as I've thought about coming back to school. Um, and so in terms of my interest, I think what I'm what I'm really interested in is looking at um, how overwhelming stress or toxic stress or trauma um, at the individual or community levels um, can impact young people and, and how that affects them physiologically, physically, um, and how that impacts their brains and their bodies. And so within that, I'm really interested in the, like in the neurobiology of trauma um, and the ways that sport-based youth development environments and programs can, can help young people who have, have experienced or are experiencing overwhelming stress um, and how sport uh, and mentoring combined can, can promote regulation, relationship building, um, and ultimately healing 
for young people. Um, and then I think in my role that I've been in at Students Run Philly Style for the last three years, I became a little bit more interested too in specifically that approach to, um, to sort of trauma-informed work in, in a sport environment, specifically for young people in the, in the juvenile justice system. So thinking about how sports can be um, helpful for all, all young kids, but, um, but specifically those in the system as well. Thanks, Mari. Do you want to pass it along to one of the other? Yeah, um, I'll pass it to Lindsay. Hi, my name is Lindsay Griffin. I use she, her pronouns. So a little bit about myself. Um, I am a licensed clinical social worker in Delaware, so I typically do more clinical focus work. Um, the area that I work in at this point, I do some part-time private practice with um, women who are having issues with fertility, so women who are trying to become pregnant. Um, and then also I work with women who are also in the perinatal and postpartum period. So women who are pregnant and then also after they have their babies. So I've been doing that for a couple of years. Um, I also run a monthly support group with the fertility practice here in Delaware. Um, and my area of interest aligns kind of similar to what Mari talked about. So my area is really looking at reproductive health disparities and how they impact Black women specifically. So thinking about uh, the fact that Black women are twice as likely as any other race of women to have issues with um, conceiving and life birth, um, how they also are impacted by issues of high rates of uh, maternal mortality, morbidity, infant mortality, um, and then just also thinking about like their overall reproductive health in life. So even thinking about when women are first young, young girls <laughs> typically are getting their first menstrual cycles um, and just seeing how there are disparities in access to adequate care, adequate diagnosing and treating of um, different issues that are impacting the reproductive health system. So that's a little bit about what I do and where my interests are at this point. And I will pass the baton over to our the trio, Syra. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lindsay. Um, it is so fun, let me just say, to do this as a group. Um, and like, we've yeah. all heard each other's in information before, and I still get so excited every time. Like, listening to Lindsay talk about her work, listening to Mara talk about her work, Mary Florence, when I get to hear you speak, it's so fun, even though I sort of know and expect what people are going to say. Um, but anyways, um, so yes, like Lindsay said, my name is Syra. I am also a second year student um, alongside these two lovely ladies. My pronouns are she and her. Um, my research uh, interests are really in youth suicide prevention and intervention work, uh, especially thinking about youth of color. The suicide rate amongst youth of color has really um, gone up in the last decade. And so that's something that I spend a lot of time reading about and thinking about. Um, and I would say my other sort of more specific interest is thinking about how we intervene with youth after a suicide attempt, and if there are ways we can um, better include family supports in that process of supporting youth and stabilizing them after a suicide attempt. Um, when I'm not in school, which these days it feels like I don't know what life is outside of school, but when I'm not in school, um, I also am a clinical social worker. I um, see kids, teenagers, and young adults in an outpatient therapy practice in Philadelphia, which I absolutely love. Um, and I also work at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia in the emergency room. 
um, working clinically and also doing some training related to uh, safety planning and things like that. Um, and when I'm not doing any of those things, I'm usually at home with my partner, my husband, and I'm a dog mom. So I'll just give him a shout out as well. Usually at home with my husband and my dog, Leo. Yay, Leo. Thank you guys so much. And I feel so grateful to be all, to be here with all of you. Like Cyrus said, this is so fun. And also for those who don't know, I was able to be in class with these lovely people for the not this year, but the year, academic year beforehand. So it's wonderful being all together again, even though we're missing some of our some of my cohort members um, and and others who are in class with us. Uh, but it is really fun to be here. And as Sarah said, also I love hearing you talk about your research. It's something that um, is always just a, a privilege in, in being of, about being in class together and being able to hear where everyone is and how also just people's research areas and interests have developed and been shaped by the last year or two. So thank you all for, for sharing that. And if we could just get started with this first question, which I know the PhD program is a journey, as we all know. We have had other folks on here like John Edwards and Sarah Sleets, and we've had faculty on here who have been through their own PhD journey, but it is absolutely a process. And sometimes it can be really hard to remember why we ended up here in the first place, because especially when you're in coursework, like you three are, I just finished my coursework last year. It is so intense and so much work and so much time that you just kind of get wrapped up in all of that and feel like, as Cyrus said, you're in school all the time. So if we could just start with having you share why you decided to come back to do your PhD, whoever wants to to take it can, um, but what, what made you come back? Um, what was the journey that kind of brought you to our graduate school and what made you come back and do your PhD? So for me, and it's quite interesting because when I came to the program, I, I was actually motivated to come back for my PhD um, as I was sitting in a position, I was working for the state of Delaware um, as a supervisor for case coordinators. Um, position was over coordinators who work with kids that have like more extensive behavioral health and mental health needs than what traditional outpatient services can provide. Um, and I was the clinical lead for their um, behavioral health team in terms of making recommendations for um, treatment services. And I was just finding that the way the system was set up, especially the way it <laughs> interacted with black and brown families specifically, was not really doing much justice to them. Um, and so I was really wanting to focus on multi-system involved families and youth and thinking about how can we do better with serving um, those, those families. Um, kid has mental health concerns, family is involved with child welfare services, the child has pending charges that they're trying to work through with mental health court services. And then you see the parent has their own mental health or substance abuse issues and like all the different things. And I was like, this is not working, having meetings with like 10 different people involved in the, in the family's life. I couldn't see how it was working. Um, as a higher functioning person and then just seeing the different barriers that these families had going against them. I was like, I don't see how this works. So that's what actually really spurred my interest in going back for a PhD because I just, when I was looking through literature, I didn't see much out there in terms of like, what were better things to do than what we were doing? And I was seeing that the things that we were doing that was supposed to be evidence-based weren't 
really producing the results and outcomes that the legislature said that should be happening. So I come in, <laughs> I get get going, and I've always had this passion related to reproductive health and infertility, specifically because I have my own personal background with issues of infertility. And what ended up happening is I started getting more information related to the disparities, and I just was absorbed <laughs> with with the with the topic of reproductive health disparities and how there are these horrible outcomes for Black women. And it became the thing that I just really decided to focus in on when I was in my first semester of coursework last year. And so I ended up switching and <laughs> I find that I'm in a better place because of the fact that it's what I was thinking about all along. And now I actually really get to do a lot of deep diving and really interesting work and research um, in an area that I feel like is not very well represented in social work. Um, so hoping that to be a person that can be a catalyst for change in this specific area. Yeah, I love that you said, I love that you ended with catalyst for change, Lindsay. That's amazing. But I love all of the different aspects that you shared. And I especially love your, uh, even though I know your kind of focus has changed, I do love what you shared about working within a system that's incredibly broken and fractured and doing a lot of damage sometimes to the families that you were supporting while also trying to be somebody to think a little bit more deeply about that and see what you could do to change. I always say like when you're on the inside of that, like I we've talked about this offline about our roles yeah. within government systems, but what it feels like to be in that and trying to be a, a catalyst for change, to use your words, within that and how that can feel so exhausting. And I know a lot of us get here from that experience and that practice and wanting to think more deeply and to, to think about how we can change systems um, and yeah. how we think about systems. So yeah, I really appreciate you sharing and also how that that journey really impacted where you are now with your research interests about fertility, particularly as it, as it affects Black women and how that all is very, very connected, interconnected yes. from where you started to kind of where you are. Anyone yeah. else want to share? Oh, go ahead, Lindsay, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> I was going to just say, and it's interesting you say in terms of like how it's all interconnected because that's something yeah. that I've been even more aware of now and seeing how like the beginning journey of my career has now kind of looped back because yeah. <laughs> I'm still very concerned about families, but mm -hmm. also considering like, how do we support families in terms of like growing <laughs> with adding children to them and just seeing that there are a lot of parallels in terms of barriers, both for like child welfare kind of systems and then also for, you know, families, uh, particularly black women and Black families in terms of their access to care with being able to expand their family. So yeah. it's pretty interesting. So yeah, it's inter and as you said, interconnected and really layered. Um, yes. Anyone else want to share their journey, how they got here, or why they decided to come back and do a PhD? Sure. So I can go next. And I think just, again, hearing Lindsay speak, and I was thinking, Lindsay, you were talking about your experience as a, as a clinical social worker, and part of what initially sort of made you sort of start sparking that curiosity about a PhD was seeing things in the system and thinking about how to improve things, really. Um, and I think I can relate to that a lot. Probably all of us can, honestly, as social workers. Um, 
But I think in my clinical practice over the last couple of years, really seeing firsthand um, in the emergency room all the different sort of ways that suicide was affecting kids and families in Philadelphia. Um, and I think the emergency room is a really unique place because it's kind of a microcosm for the city or for society and seeing, you know, really little children coming in after self-injury, um, seeing kids come in after a suicide attempt, seeing families not knowing really what to do or where to go to get mental health supports, and also seeing how that problem that was really a huge problem before the pandemic, how it just continued and exploded, even when um, the hospital was a quieter place because we were in the middle of COVID, we were still seeing a lot of kids coming in um, looking for mental health support. So I think that's where part of my interest specifically in my in my research area started. And so thinking about things like equity and access um, and even like what the wait is for a child to get a therapist these days is really, really long and can be really stressful. So those all relate to my interest in mental health. And when I think about getting a PhD, I honestly thought about it right after I finished my MSW. I did a um, clinical fellowship program, which I think for any like master's students listening, definitely something to look at if you think you might want more clinical training. I had a really amazing experience in mine, and I had three amazing supervisors who were all um, female clinicians that had their PhDs, and they were all like, can I say badass women? Yes. They were all like these badass women who, again, like had their PhDs and had all of this great research happening and were clinicians. And just seeing how sort of having three different people that had been through the PhD program and who had different research interests um, and who were such good teachers and good clinicians and did research that was really impactful. It was it was not hard for me to be like, you know, I want to be like that um, and seeing how they were. So I think that was one big piece. And then the only other thing I would say is that I had the privilege of teaching a few years ago, and I realized how much I really liked working with master's students and um, how interesting it is after spending some time in the field to take those clinical experiences and talk about them with master's students and sort of to bring the real world scenarios back to the classroom. And so realizing how much I loved that, putting all that together, I really sort of started to think that maybe looking at a PhD would be a good next step. And the only other thing I'll say is that, again, like like you were saying, Lindsay, having the time to explore sort of thinking about these issues and as our research interests sort of change and morph over time, you know, my first semester in the PhD program, it felt like such a breath of fresh air because I had gone from like being really burnt out in clinical practice and sort of going through the same motions for years at a time and having the privilege to sort of step back and spend all this time thinking and um, reading and like uh, just doing all, having all this time to focus on things that I really care about felt really nice. So it's felt like a privilege in that way. Yeah. I love that. Having more time and space to really think through a lot of those different pieces is just something you don't get when you're in any type, I think of social work position, but especially when you're working in a system and as a clinician and responding to lots of crises as they come up. Thank you, Sarah. Mari, would you like to share? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's interesting, I think, hearing, even though, like Cyrus said earlier, I've heard a little bit of both of your stories, but I feel like it's always I get to hear different parts of it. And and I think there's some pieces of what, what you all were talking about that are that's sort of similar for me. But then I think where I felt a little bit differently is, you know, you both talked about coming to this sort of from a clinical background and you know, when I started my social work journey, um, decided to go get my MSW, like really what I wanted was to be a clinician. Like that's what I thought I was, why I was going to school. Um, I was actually really interested in working 
in immigration, which is why I'm always fascinated to hear Mary Florence talk about her research. And that was like an area where I thought like, this is where I'm going to go with this. I want to um, be a, you know, a clinical social worker with this population. And, and I think what I learned about myself in that process was that that wasn't something that came as naturally, I think, to me as I thought it would. And even, you know, going through classes and stuff, it didn't feel like my greatest strength, I think, in social work, which was like a kind of a hard thing to let go of, of like, I don't, and I don't know that this is like what I enjoy the most myself, like of doing in this field. And so that, you know, I did some work in immigration after finishing my MSW, but there was always this like part of me that I was like, this sort of group, uh, group of people, this population feels so important to me. And, but at the same time, you know, I shared earlier, I had been coaching for a long time. I'd been involved in sports in different ways and in my life throughout over the years. And, and I feel like I came to sports actually a little later in my life. Um, but I felt like there was always this intersection of like, to me, like there was so much overlap in sport and social work that I like couldn't pinpoint. I was like, what is this? Where does it exist? How do I like make those things intersect? Um, and so I learned about this organization called Up to Us Sports, where I ended up working for about four or five years, where really it was focused around like training coaches who are working with young people in different community-based organizations, um, not just unlike the X's and O's of like, this is how you play basketball, or this is how you set up drills for soccer, which is like great. And every coach should know those things about their sport. But it was really like, how do you connect with young people? How do you understand that when like a kid out of practice is having a meltdown, it might not be because they're just mad at you. It's because like they haven't eaten today or they had to walk through a really dangerous neighborhood to like get to your practice. So I think that's where I started sort of seeing this, this overlap um, and got to do a lot of, of training there. And, and I think uh, that was when I started to think more about research again and like, how can we be actually bringing research to a group of people who like these coaches are not going to go necessarily. I mean, some of them might go get a PhD, but most of them might not. A lot of them don't have a lot of free time to like spend doing research on this, but how can we kind of give them the tools that are like research based to do a really good job with, with kids who are going through a lot. Um, and so I think that's kind of what, what got me thinking about this. And I think I was seeing like really anecdotally um, some things that, um, that like we read about in research and about just kind of like what trauma does to our brains and our bodies. And it felt like it wasn't really like being talked about enough or like people didn't know enough about this. And so I was thinking of like, how, yeah, how can we make this research more, more accessible and not just like, how are we training coaches? But I'm like, you can have a really trained coach or a really trained clinician, but if like, the program that they're operating in or the system like isn't equally informed trauma informed then like there's only so much they can do um and so that's kind of what i guess the windy road that that brought me here was thinking about how yeah how can i put a little bit more research around why sport works not just like the physical nature of it which i think like we all agree on at this point but, but how can it promote sort of development in, in different ways for young people? Um, and then I think like Syra mentioned about uh, teaching, like that's something that I've also 
really enjoyed over the years. I've, I've had a chance in my role at Up to Us Sports. I was essentially a training facilitator, and it was also something that I thought that I wasn't going to like as like a full on introvert. I was like, oh God, being in front of a group of people talking is like my biggest nightmare. Um, but I found that it was something that I that I really enjoyed and being able to like take content that felt really important and sharing it um, with people who couldn't maybe maybe knew about it, but could see it in a different lens um, was really exciting. And so I, I, that made me think like, oh, I'd really love to do some teaching as well and, and get the tools to to do that. Um, yeah. So I think that that combination is, is what led me here. Yeah. It's such a wonderful journey, Mari, too. And I feel like it combines so many um, skill, skills that are also interconnected, um, skills that you absolutely have as a teacher, as a facilitator, as a coach, as a trainer, as a person who is an incredible athlete. As we all know, Mari is a star marathon runner. Um, but yeah, I feel like what your research and your interest and your journey, like you called it a winding road, but so many of us have that, uh, have that story of a, of a winding road that's kind of brought us here. Um, but I do feel like it really weaves together all of your different experiences in such a nice way to bring you to where you are now. Okay. So as we wind down, our final question is if you could just share uh, either a couple words of wisdom or advice um, for social work students that you wish someone had maybe given to you when you started your journey. I have this thing that actually I keep next to my desk. Um, there's this little cartoon thing on Instagram and maybe, I don't know, my millennials, that's why I'm talking about Instagram. Um, but it's a little cartoon that's a little heart and a brain that are friends. And so the one that I love and I've printed out, it's the heart is telling the brain it's okay not to have all the answers. Super okay. And I just really love that. I feel like that's really uh, has helped me a lot in this journey right now. But I think it has is something when I think about like my social work journey is I think I felt like people, you know, came to MSW program and they were like, okay, this is what I'm doing. And this is my path. And I felt like, oh my God, but I'm not sure if this is actually my path. Um, and so I think you know, that it's okay to not have all the answers that I think the like curiosity and frustration and kind of winding road um, and have needing patience is with yourself and with other people is a part of that. Um, and then I think like finding your people who are going to support that curiosity and frustration and all that um, feels really important. And I, I definitely have felt that in this program, you know, with my my cohort squad here, I think this would be a much, much harder journey without all of you. Um, and so I think, you know, having, having, knowing who your people are, um, in, in the windy process. Anyone else want to share some words of wisdom or thoughts that you wish advice that you wish you'd had? You know, it's so funny. And Mari, I love, I love some of what you're saying in the theme of like being on this journey where you might think it'll go one way and it goes completely different. Like I remember taking this spirituality course as an elective and being like, I'm just taking this. And it's one of the most meaningful classes I think I've ever taken. And I think about it pretty often. Um, and I guess my, I'm not going to do it justice, but what I sort of left with was this, um, this intention of remembering why I'm doing it. Like why, why am I doing any of this? Right. Because I don't think social work is like other jobs or professions, right. We're so sort of, again, the way that, the way that my practice has gone, like so ingrained, so sometimes, in the emergency room, sitting with people with such tremendous suffering and trying to figure out like, 
at the end of those days or at the end of those long weeks or years, like, why is it that I'm doing this? How do I conceptualize what I'm doing in the world and how I'm connected with other people? And so I think having a sense for students that are going through the program, of like, what is your why and how are you going to remember it? How are you going to hang on to it through the tough times, whether it's macro, whether it's clinical, whatever kind of practice you go into, there will be tough days. Um, and I think being able to remember like what brought you to this and, and, you know, why you're doing it and why you're committed to it. Thank you. Find your why. Thank you, Syrah. Lindsay. Syrah stole. Syrah and I must have telepathy going on because she, I won't say that she stole. You definitely spoke what I was initially thinking because I feel like it is so important to know your why. Like, it's like, I, I love my cohort. I love Bryn Mawr, but a lot of my why and what I'm doing why I'm doing this is like for my family. I have two young boys now and it's like, I want them to be able to see that, hey, when you, I say you can put your mind to something, you can do it. And I want them to be able to say like, oh yeah, I remember when mommy was going for her PhD. Um, but even as a master's student, like my why at that point looked different, but it was, I want to see things different and I want to see things better in the yeah. world around me. I want kids to feel um, safe. I want kids to have support when they need it. I want families to um, have their needs met um, because those are the, you know, those are just the building blocks to creating a healthy community. So I always thought about that. Um, so something else I would say that I think is really important with social work though is um, be mindful of what may appear as help to you may not be help to the people that you're working with. So really taking the time to actually get to know the people or the populations that you're working with um, and trying to understand what their definition of help looks like. I think um, it's really interesting and unfortunate that you know our, our, our field doesn't have a pretty beginning whatsoever. And I think right. we have to be really mindful of that as social workers that, you know, as the social work field has done a lot of harm to certain communities in the past. And so as you're going into field placements, as you're going in and getting that first job, really getting to know the community and the population that you're working with to help under, for you to understand what help is. I think that was something I really started grappling with, like probably like a few years into my um career as a social worker and recognizing that whenever I was whenever I was partnering with people in the way that they found helpful, it may not have looked like the outcome of success that mm -hmm. I may have held on to, but they walked away happier. Um, they walked away feeling like they got to their definition of success. So yeah. I think that would be the other thing that I would put forward for people to consider. Uh, in thinking about like how the profession has upheld structures and you know, white supremacy and mm -hmm. uh, sort of the power hierarchy, hierarchy, the way it's been, like social work has upheld that in a lot of ways. And I just think that another way that that relates to this, our overall theme of, of being on a journey is that I think that you never, you should never really feel like you're, you're not learning anymore, right? Like you get the, you get the degree and you're like, yeah, I'm a social worker. Like I'm ready to go out there and change the world. But sometimes it takes a lot of time and a lot of observation, a lot of experience to really figure out your place in things. And I think even for us every day, like we all have such vast experiences in the field, 
but also sort of taking the time to see the bigger picture. And I think, mm-hmm. again, it's hard, especially in clinical social work, to do that all the time. So I just think what you said, Lindsay, is so, so important. And sometimes it doesn't, for me, it didn't happen right away. Like it wasn't something that I immediately understood when I got through my courses. It like took some time in the field to realize that while I'm out here as this young green social worker thinking I'm doing all this great work, there's also inherent harm that's happening. And how mm-hmm. do we yeah, what do we make of that? How do we rectify that? Um, mm-hmm. So I just think that's a really good point. Since we're yeah. on the same wavelength, you know, I just had to <laughs> give you that. No, I love that. And how do you sit in the tension between those two pieces while also trying to change the system and and continue continue doing the work that you believe is important and that you value? And I think that's kind of why a lot of us ended up back here in the PhD program because we're we're trying to work on that. But thank you all, my friends, for joining me. This was such a pleasure, such a delight to have you all here. And thank you so much. See you very soon. Thank you. Thanks for having us. This was so fun. Thank you so much for tuning in. And a huge thank you to Mari, Lindsay, and Syrah. You can read more about their work and research by checking out their doctoral student bios on the GSSWSR website. Their bios are also linked in today's episode description. We are grateful to our supporters, Spring Point Partners, for providing the funding that has made this podcast possible, and to our producer, Emily Overholt. Have an idea for an episode or a design for our podcast cover art? Submit your art and ideas to gsswsr at brynmar.edu. That's gsswsr at brynmar.edu. Thanks for tuning in and see you in the community.